0: Owl family. Smash Pop.
2: Welcome to Smash Pod, a podcast celebrating all the Bond films by those who enjoy, hate, or you know, just are asked about them. Hosted by me, John Rain. It's side special time again, and this week we will be taking a first-class ticket to the land of Nottingham and visit Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Master of None. Joining me to check the flights, which is an arrow joke, is the man the legend, the Prince of Italy and King of Football Weekly. James Richardson, who can be found on Twitter as at AC Jimbo. Hello, James. Hi, John. Thanks for the intro. You're very welcome. Lovely to have you here. Good. Yes, yeah, so how are you?
3: Uh, yeah, no, I'm well. I survived Robin Hood Prince of Thieves again. Yeah. I thought I'd done with seeing it, but yeah. I you dragged me back in for one last job.
2: Yeah, you think you're done with Robin Hood but Robin Hood's never done with you.
3: Apparently not. <laughs> yeah. And of course it is a film that it is a theme that keeps returning to cinemas because it's You know, it's one of the archetypes, I guess. It's a legend. Uh, This iteration, it's full of talking points. It is. I'll give it that.
2: Not as many as the Russell Crowe one, but obviously there's no Bond connection there.
3: No. Yeah, I don't know that I would have more to say about the Russell Crowe one. I think one of the few... Well, we'll we'll come on to the... Yeah.
2: Yeah. So one of the first things that jumps out to me in this film is there's an actor in this film called Harold Innocent. Which I enjoyed as a name.
3: Yeah, who, do, who does he play?
2: He's the crooked priest who gets... Is this crooked
3: Harold Innocent. Nominative anti-determinism. Exactly, mm. yeah.
2: It would be better if his name was Ian Guilty. <laughs>
3: yeah. Be much more enjoyable. <laughs> but he wouldn't have got much work, probably. No, yeah. probably
2: not. Yeah. He'd have to change it by depot, probably to Harold Innocent.
3: Possibly, that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we if get you're the... listening, Harold, do let us know if we've stumbled on S- your guilty secret. Sadly,
2: that would be a seance. Oh, is he, he no longer... He is no longer innocent. All right. Okay. He is now in hell well, for yeah, his crimes. It's, it's steady on. Well, the character in this film, I mean, of course. Yeah. But, yeah, so we, we're, we're greeted in the opening yeah. by the, the bio, Is it Bayou Tapestry. Yes. Just to give us a bit of a rundown of history there.
3: Well, yeah, there is a Norman angle to this. I mean, as I say, it is a film that treads on a well-worn worn path. Robin Hood, one of the, the fundamental English folk tales. Mm. And it's interesting that the, the, the take that the Kevins, Reynolds and Costner have come up with here. I think it actually starts, I mean, beyond the Bayou Tapestry, and fair enough, I think it actually starts in pretty excellent fashion with that this is English courage Yes. Uh, hand-chopping In an American stunt. accent. In a very West Coast accent, but, you, you know, <laughs> I, there is a point of view, and here we're getting into a slight side issue about whether it's worth actors doing accents. You know, given that we know that people in the Middle Ages in Sherwood Forest probably didn't speak in what we would regard as an English accent, no. is it really worth everybody just adopting the same, I don't know, I mean that's a, a side question. So my problem with Costner in this film, because I did have one, mm-hmm. isn't really his accent. But anyway, it starts off with this tremendous scene, and off we go, and I remember back in Far Off 1991 watching this going, that's an opening When he says this in English, Encouraging Yanks Because you really do wonder How's he going to get out of this one Kenan? Yeah Because the guy you, he's with Is very hand happy Isn't he Yeah Everyone's getting so. their hand cut off They're here. all losing their hands It's like
2: he's trying to set up A second hand shop.
3: Quite possibly so <laughs> possibly. From there on <laughs> I feel the movie Rather loses its way bit. <laughs> <anyway. laughs>
2: Yeah, especially because Costner at the beginning of this rather looks like he's been on tour with the Grateful Dead. Yeah, he's I mean, he's, he's got a luscious beard.
3: Yeah, the hair is an issue in this film. Mm. I don't know how you want to approach this. I've got conservatively three type pages of notes. This is a film I feel strongly about. He has listeners. I saw it back in 91. Yeah. In what were simpler times. I was certainly a simpler person. And were you in Italy then? Or no, were you? no, yeah. I was, I was uh, you know, a, a young man about town and... Yeah. Uh, for the, for the movies, the 80s were still very much an ongoing concern, oh, I think, culturally. And this yeah. movie is a prime example of that. And it, it, was, it was an enjoyable romp in my mind when I look back on it until I tried watching it a couple of years ago and was horrified, yeah. really, by what I saw. Mm. So it was with trepidation that I sat down last night to the extended cut just to, you know, experience the horror, the horror. And I was actually surprised because there are plenty of entertaining things about this film... It wasn't the chore that I thought it was going to be. It is a grotesquely badly constructed film. Yeah. But the good things are enough to keep you amused if you're watching it in a, you know, enough of an ironic fashion, at least until the final scene, which is, for me, probably the worst thing ever committed to celluloid. Mm. But, I mean, for me, Costner's the biggest problem. Yes, I and agree. I don't think I'm alone in that. No. Some people would say the geography... Mm. the sheer geographic
2: well I actually did the sums on this because yep. we're jumping ahead slightly but when Costner and Azim was his name Azim Azim yes. yeah he frees him and he says I, I, I you know he frees him and then Azim says I oh, will
3: fight Azim was actually originally going to be called Nazir because ah. the American producers understood that the, they watch Robin of Sherwood the ITV show Robin. and there's a figure called uh, the Nazir Man. yeah yeah uh, your memory of it is m- much better than mine Sorry. so they went well look that's obviously the traditional character we will have that traditional character in our film and one of the stuntmen kind of midway through production said yeah but I- actually that was just a character that Robin of Sherwood producers wrote in so copyright wise you might want to change that so they had to change the name oh really? yeah that well, was a really dull no country. it was brilliant it was this, quite this is what we're all about stay, stay I've, we'll got, stay- <laughs> I've got better ones stay with me I've got better ones sorry you're fired
2: no, we're all about that here. Huh. Um, but yeah, they're, so they're, what happens is that Robin and Azim free themselves, and Robin's mate is a bit UKIP. He's a bit, you know, I don't want Azim coming with us because I don't like him. Oh, the one who gets the arrow in the yeah,
3: gut. the one really who pretends doors. he's
2: really... Well, he's, he's basically dying. He's like, oh, I can't come with you, I'm dead. And then immediately leaps to his feet and runs yeah. off. Bit, bit I'm stretched.
3: concerned, this film is two hours and 30 minutes long yeah. I think we'll have to adopt broad strokes oh, in no, terms the, of the plot the, line.
2: Absolutely, All right. we are, well, I'm, just, I'm just setting, setting the scene right. So Robin and Azim get on their boat and go to England
3: After climbing out of a manhole in After 11th century out. Jerusalem Which I yeah. found interesting So now you're bogging us down Yeah <laughs> So they get to England and they get to but England really they had manholes in 11th century, or 12th century uh... Well they had men
2: where else would they put them? They get to England, and it's at this point that Robin decides that Azim's not going to come with him. Yeah. Could have told him in France. That's true. Could have told him anywhere. He waits till he gets him to England and then tries to beat him up. Yeah. Anyway, so they get there, and he's basically... They're at Dover, aren't they?
3: How did you feel about Kevin Costner's dead-ant impression on the wet sands of Dover? Terrible. Yeah. This is, he writhes on, on, you know... He's a bit uh, like the Pope on kissing the, the tarmac. But yeah, he, and yeah. then he flops on his back and kind of wiggles. It's a curious thing, because some people have pointed... To this transformation from the kind of daring do and gravitas mm. of Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and the escape from certain death, to his behaviour once he arrives. I suppose he might be giddy with his escape from death and his return to his homeland, that he becomes this, almost like a small child, of, yes. as I say, flopping around on the, on the wet sand and then teasing Aziz, Azim, rather, Azim yeah. about love and women and all this kind of thing yeah and all of this done with this what i'm sure in kevin's mind was a a charming smile but really is is, is a pretty insufferable smirk that he wears all the way all the way through through the film it's almost like he feels he's doing us a favor just by turning up for this movie yeah
2: well terry wogan was obsessed with this film if you remember right i don't remember when it came out he would constantly refer to it and i think he still did on his radio show he'd always say we will dine with my father in nottingham Okay. All the time, and I think he was a bit taken aback because obviously he was doing his chat show at the time. Right. That Costner, I think was it him? I think it was Barry Norman who said that Kevin Costner fought a battle with the British accent and lost.
3: Well, I don't think there was ever. I think pretty much he waved the white flag at the start. He mm. he just came into this with, and I said, I'm not against somebody using their natural accent, mm. although a lot of people I'm sure find it disconcerting to have the whole Robin part played with the with midwestern or no, I think West Coast drawl Colin Farrell, for example, recently started in the remake of The Beguiled, or a reversion of The Beguiled, mm. using an Irish accent. I was very glad that he did, because it, it took nothing away. Anyway, I mean, the whole thing is an artifice, so you have to accept some level of uh, suspension of disbelief. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, no, I don't think he even attempted an English accent. But there is something to be said
2: that yep. in these old films, I add that, that everyone should just have an English accent. No matter where it is. Nazi Germany, they all have English accents. Right. And and I guess Kostner was like, no, I'm going to be an American. Do you know what? I think I agree with you. Tom Cruise did it in Valkyrie, if you remember rightly. Well, I didn't see Valkyrie. Oh, well, Tom Cruise is a Nazi, yes. you know, as you know. Yeah. But he just does his normal accent.
3: He does the American accent? hmm Okay. How would you feel if you'd done a German accent?
2: It would have been awkward, wouldn't it?
3: Yeah, and yet that... Probably would have been closer to the...
2: But everybody else playing a Nazi in that film, I think, is doing an English accent. So you want
3: a homogeneity? That's what I'm saying. There's something wrong with it, isn't there? Right. They should either all do American or... Yeah. Yeah. There is a broad church of accents in this this film. There is. Anyway, there we are. We've left him on the sand. Well, I was just going to say, I did some maths. Oh, yeah. Well, not maths.
2: I looked it up on Google Maps. Mm -hmm. But they go from Dover... He says, you know, by nightfall, we celebrate with my father and they go from Dover to Nottingham and i worked this out to walk there would be take 63 hours
3: that's a long way
2: yeah or you can drive there in four
3: but of course what you're about to mention is the very next place that we see him is on Hadrian's wall yeah. which is a further 300 miles away yeah it's a it's a movie it took, i'm not going to say he took the long way <laughs> i'm not going to say that i lost this film because of its uh, geographical inexactitude yeah i don't mind them taking liberties with with location I kind of expect that from a film, particularly a film that's not set in, in America, because, yeah. I mean, there, there are huge issues here. For example, the fact that Nottingham is actually played in the film by Carcassonne in, in France... And pretty visibly so. I mean, it, it plainly isn't Nottingham. But whatever, just as long as everything else hangs together, I'm willing to go a long way in order to not have an issue with the film. But the film, say, I don't think, was willing to go as, as far as I was. Yeah. Uh, and it was pretty soon that we parted company on the whole, I don't really believe a word of what's going on here.
2: But we have skipped over a part where Brian Blessed... Yes. Who's playing Robin's dad? Yeah, and he's writing a letter to uh, Lord Exposition of Scriptlandia. Yes, uh, saying my son is doing this, I'm doing this. Yeah, and then the sheriff comes with his Fight Club gang. Yeah, join us or die. And he goes and fights them. And I looked up on IMDb yeah. some Robin Hood facts, and it says here this fact, ironically, Brian Blessed was almost killed filming his death scene, and but it-, it doesn't expand on that at all. So I don't know how did he.
3: Have a heart um, attack? He was on a horseback, and he's a portly gentleman. Maybe you know, there was some kind of misfire. I, I really don't know. No, I really. He charges into the mists of them, the midst of midst of them, and, mm. and yeah. But uh, and then we, next thing we see is he's in an an extra large gibbet.
2: Yeah, a gibbet. and he's got a, a man servant called Duncan, which every time a word is said makes me laugh. I don't know why. Why? I
3: don't know. It's just a funny you just name. You said you didn't know Duncan. I I asked, uh, Duncan. Yeah, Duncan. Duncan. Who oh, I think we're meant to like in this film. He's a pain in the arse. He generally it? is, though, isn't he? Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't want to jump ahead too much. I think we probably should. Like you say, it's a long film. But for me, I kind of broke down to what was the biggest problem? What was the best thing about this film? Um, biggest problem, as I say, was, was Costner mm-hmm. and that kind of false hearty laugh he kept doing while he was leading the Merry Men. At no point did any part of him being their leader or being there feel... Real to me, maybe the the West Coast draw was part of that. Certainly, his haircut out of Wham. I was going to say, he looks like issue. the man
2: that egged John Prescott.
3: Ah, you remember okay. him?
2: He had a big mullet. I remember
3: the instant the mullet. Go back and watch it. He looks See, just like Robin. Just a slightly more grizzled look might have done wonders for the kind of verisimilitude of this this film. But then the whole plot of him robbing these money trains that keep getting driven through Sherwood Forest, even though plainly. They're going to get robbed every time well, they doesn't go. doesn't he say
2: it. it's the only road to London?
3: Well, it's obviously not the only oh, road can't to London. It can't be, can it? Get the train. Also, hmm. the transformation of the kind of ragtag bunch of forest folk to these kind of warrior Ewoks <laughs> is never really explained, although, to be fair, they do do a montage which shows them first firing arrows badly and then firing them well.
2: Yeah, see? You fell for it, I fell for it, yeah. we all fell for it.
3: Yeah, so that's what doesn't work. And, it, and yet, that's still not the biggest issue for me about this film.
2: Well, the problem with this film and me is I came away thinking of two things that are nothing to do with this film. One, okay. made Marion and the Merry Men. Did you remember that TV show from no. the 80s? It was no. a Tony Robinson television show for kids. Oh, yeah. And it posited that Robin was stupid and Maid Marion was <laughs> the Robin Hood. And one of the Merry Men was a, an actor called Howard Lou Lewis, who was Elmo in Brushstrokes okay. He's one of the gang in this as well. Oh, is
3: he John Little, John? No, no,
2: no, sadly. He'd have made a very good John Little. Uh, anyway, and also The Princess Bride. All I could think of through this yeah. was The
3: Princess Bride. Well, yeah, it's interesting because most people who have affection for this film have affection in particular for Alan Rickman. Yes. And he's movie within a movie, if you will. It's an interesting quote, actually, from uh, Mary Elizabeth uh, Mas- Mastrantonio. Antonio. Yeah. She said, uh, it felt like different films, different attitudes, and I'd have much rather been in Alan Rickman's film. I wanted to do what he was doing. And it is, when you watch it back now, it's clear that he's off in some pantomime romp with set design by Blackadder or possibly some Python, or certainly... There's a lot of Princess Bride in there.
2: Definitely. It says here that he turned down the role of the sheriff twice. Yeah. But he, he, he finally accepted it if he could have carte blanche with his yes. interpretation.
3: It's to the extent that supposedly he hired Ruby Wax, or yeah. at least got her in to, to, to help him with the script. Yeah. So basically, he's just got... He looked at it and said, well, this is a pile of tosh, mm-hmm. but... I'll basically take the mickey out of it, yeah. wink at the audience, leer at the audience, moreover, and then at least I won't come out of it too badly. And it does does make for some entertaining viewing. All the cutting out hearts with spoons and that kind of stuff is good.
2: And the women, you know, you, my room.
3: Uh, yeah, and the call off Christmas, all that business. There are some choice lines in there. Uh, there was also this, the suggestion that was widely circulated at the time that Kevin Costner was horrified at how successful Alan Rickman was in this film mm. and had him edited out mm. uh, to a large degree. You and I have both watched the extended version <sighs> yes. with extra Alan Rickman in it. Terribly sad passing last year. Any excuse to watch him on screen is, yeah. a, is a treat. But mm. I don't think actually that the extra Rickman adds anything to the film. The problem is what he's doing, he won a BAFTA for his performance which I find looking back at <laughs> Absolutely extraordinary. Yeah. Because in many ways, he sabotages this film entirely by, as I say, taking the mickey. He's having a, a, a laugh with the audience about it, how terrible the film is. And by, by extension, anyone who's taken this film seriously, what are you doing? It's a completely different movie, as we say. So if you do enjoy those bits, and if you haven't seen The Princess Bride... Then you really should watch The Princess Pride because it is is—it is a whole movie of this, but done in a more affectionate, more coherent, and downright funnier fashion. It's a magnificent film, that. Hmm. And uh, anyone who doesn't like The Princess Pride, I. I- isn't watching it right, I think. Mary Elizabeth... Uh, is it Mastrantonia or Mastroianni? I can can't I can't remember. Well, remember. Her, anyway. Yeah. We've both done research, listeners. <laughs> We've both clearly then discovered that she only got drafted into this film four days before shooting. After Robin Wright, who was the princess in Princess Bride, had to pull out because she was pregnant, yeah. uh, the role of the sheriff of Nottingham was originally offered to?
2: I did know, but I don't know now. Richard E.
3: Grant. That's it, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Because supposedly... Um, who played uh, the uncle in, um, in with now? Richard, uh, Richard Griffiths. Griffiths Richard Friar w- was up for Friar yeah. Tuck. Kerry Ewells, who was also in Princess Pride, was offered the role of Robin Hood.
2: And then took it in Robin Hood Men in Tights.
3: Indeed. I'm not seeing that film. Is it any good? Uh,
2: no, it's all right. But again, I should have said there's three films because there's moments... It's a direct parody of this. Yeah. So it even has the mad witch lady in oh, it yeah. played by Tracy Ullman. Oh, really? Way. OK. And Roger Reese plays the sheriff of Nottingham.
3: Right, I'm not uh, familiar with him. I think he was
2: in Dynasty, I don't know. He's okay. a British actor, and he was very funny. Oh. But there's a joke in that where Eagles, they, they say to Kerry why should we to, do what you say? And he says, because unlike other Robin Hoods, I have a British accent, which is quite funny Was
3: Kerry actually English or not? Yes. Was he? mm mm-hmm. OK, because he successfully essays an American accent for much of his career. I think
2: he's lived there since the Princess Bride. Oh, I see. So he's, effect- he's been in Seinfeld, for goodness sake, so he's effectively oh, he? American.
3: Yeah. Right, OK. Robin... Yes?
2: He forms... Uh, an alliance with Azim. They go and see Marion to tell her that her brother, who was the UKIP guy we talked about earlier, who got to his feet very quickly and was murdered, is dead. And yep. when he gets there, he's greeted by a, a woman who is not as pleasant-looking as Marion. Yes. And it's a whole act to show that Marion is this strong woman which will go through the whole movie of her yep. being strong and able to look after herself. And well, what I liked is
3: the way they remain consistent to that <laughs> vision of... Marion right to the end. In yeah. no way does she become a damsel in distress and then end up getting fairly passively raped by mm-hmm. Alan Rickman in, in one of the movie's great humorous moments.
2: Yeah, which again um, is called back to the Mel Brooks film because at that moment in the, his film Many tights. Yeah, when he yeah. does straddle her she is wearing a chastity belt and he utters the immortal line, that will chafe my willy, which is sadly missing from this film. <laughs> it is. But it wouldn't feel yeah. out of place if Rickman said it yeah anyway um, so yeah we meet Marion and uh, yeah. she seems like a strong as we say a strong lady yep who knows her way and she's not taking any nonsense from Robin yep and when the show when Guy of Gisborne turns up oh yeah she, I liked him yeah he's an American and he, he does an right. accent. I think he's all right. Yeah, and he seems
3: genuinely dangerous. Mm, he was there the is menace to him.
2: Yeah, he was the baddie in The Crow as well. Was he? Yeah.
3: Yeah. I've not seen him in other things, but I guess the baddies would be his stock in trade. Definitely. So, uh, yeah, he, he does a decent job of that.
2: Because also earlier on, Robin stops him from beating up a child.
3: Well, I think worse than feeding a child to the dogs. Oh, yeah. It's quite a dark film, this really It
2: is, because he's, Robin says the line, not a greater tra- crime to starve a family than be a poacher.
3: Let me think about that one.
2: Yeah, I think he's right. Yeah. I think he's right. He's bang
3: on, Robin, isn't he? He is bang on.
2: Here's what he's doing. I mean, people will doubt him because of the hair, but...
3: So, now, this is an interesting thing, because he was a big star. Huge. I'm none bigger at that time.
2: Yeah, this is post The Untouchables.
3: And uh, No Way Out. Yeah. And he'd just done Dances with Wolves, rousing cinematic (laughs) tour de force. Got all the Oscars. And yet, this film, he is so... Incredible mm. whether because of his accent or his hair or his general air of entitlement, he doesn't do anything well, I don't think, no, in this he film. Is he's dreadful. not funny, he's not charming, he's not particularly exciting to watch.
2: Not interesting, no.
3: So yeah, it's it's just remarkable how much his star quality, his star power it, it evaporates. In the moment when oh Sean Connery turns up at the end, this kind of mega wattage of, of Connery's presence. Just mm. think, Well, he could have done it a little bit of that definitely mm.
2: yeah if you'd have had anybody else playing Robin I think this film had a chance maybe not
3: anybody I'm going to say John maybe not any Arthur Mullard yeah Arthur <laughs> Mullard yeah
2: so uh, Robin and Azeem go off and they get chased into Sherwood Forest yeah where Gisborne's men won't go because no. haunted. It's got ghosts. And we meet the merry moment. We meet little John who looks a bit like Jeff Lynne.
3: Jeff Lynne. Although he... I don't know how merry he'd be. I don't think of Jeff Lynne as a, a merry guy.
2: If Jeff Lynne was so dissatisfied with the music industry that he decided to go live in the Sherwood Forest...
3: Yeah, with a big staff.
2: This is what would happen. Exactly. All right, yeah.
3: So anyway, yeah, there, there's various kind of colourful folk who live among the trees including Will Scarlet. Yeah. Christian Slater. Who
2: again doesn't really do an accent.
3: No, he doesn't but then that is coherent with his what is revealed to be his kind of genealogical role within the um within the ensemble because he's he's basically robin's half-brother
2: you're spoiling it now
3: well i i don't know because were you telling the story for anyone who, who didn't want to watch it no not really no basically robin hood steals from the rich and here's the twist he gives R- to the poor no way yeah he well, gets captured but he's pretty good with arrows, plus it turns out that his chum from Jerusalem bought unknown quantities of gunpowder I don't know where mm. but he, he dishes these out at the crucial moment and things go bang, and there is the money shot, and it stands up to this day. Yeah, it does. Him standing in front of the explosion, firing a burning, burning arrow at 300 pr- frames per second mm. it still looks wonderful. And Az-
2: Azim also has Chekhov's sword so he's got this giant sword Chekhov? We know that Chekhov's gun Oh, if that you thing. see a
3: gun in the first act,
2: it's going to his sword. It's this yeah. huge sword, and all the yeah. way through, you're thinking he's never going to use that sword. And at the end, he Sneeze uses it. it all the way through. He doesn't, does he? I thought I don't. Know. I could
3: go back and check, but my feeling is that I'm when he's involved in the fighting all the way through, the, the sword is naturally what he uses to best his opponents. I thought he was punching them. Maybe he is. Maybe he is.
2: I thought they were saving it for the money shot at the end. If right, he dispenses with the witch. Yeah, the nan from the Adams family. Yes. Which is what she basically is. Because when Alan Rickman goes into her house, what I did like is if you look carefully in the background, there's a smoke machine, but there's also a little laser show going on.
3: That's brilliant, isn't it? It kind
2: of looks like they've wandered onto the set of a Who gig.
3: Yeah, the the whole thing has a very horrible histories feel to it, those segments with uh, whatever her name is. Geraldine McEwen? Well, the actress, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I must admit, I was hugely surprised when her name popped up on the credits. It just kind of, again, underlines how it seems to be in another dimension, that segment of the film. You can see
2: why it got cut out. It doesn't really offer anything, does it?
3: But even Rickman's bits... I don't know. People love Alan Rickman in this, and I love Alan Rickman, and everyone loves Alan Mm, Rickman, mm. and thank goodness he was in this. He's having fun. He's the only one having fun. He is having fun, but I... I did wonder whether he's having a little bit too much fun, that yeah. whether he might have just toned it down to say Hans Gruber on the kind of Rickman sneerometer. Mm-hmm. But overall, I'm much glad, I'd much rather he was in it than not. Mm. I would say the saving grace of this film, rather than Rickman, is arguably the rather less cheesy Morgan Freeman. Yes,
2: he is very good.
3: Who not only allows the director, Kevin Reynolds, to say a little bit of an interesting experiment about how a medieval peasant would react to a moor wandering in and that whole kind of Christian heretic business which at least the movie attempts to handle Mm. not just go well he wanders in and they're all chums but also it's I think the first instance of of Freeman basically being dropped into a movie to add credibility to hold a major Hollywood star's hand to yeah. give balance to the force if you like I mean we had it here and we have it again and again yeah. after this whether it's in Seven or Shawshank Shawshank or what's the one with Ashley Judd's uh, oh, Kiss the Girls Kiss the Girls yeah, yeah. I mean it, it, all the way through the 90s that's what he does mm-hmm. he's the avuncular figure who kind of adds a little sheen of credibility to, to everything and I think this might have been the first time, but he, he's good. He, in much the same way that Rickman is le- leering at the audience, I, I feel that Freeman is often gazing into the middle the distance, saying... I mean, he'll be making some comment about the English, but it, I feel the subtext is, as much as anything, is, oh, my God, this film.
2: Yes, no, absolutely.
3: Where did we get to in the plot?
2: Well, we've just had the uh, sheriff going to see his... in land from the Adam Family, the witch, and uh, Robin has met all the merry men, and rather quickly decides that he's going to just stir up trouble, and he goes to the church to see Marion. Yeah. And this is when he has his first confrontation with the sheriff. Yes. And cuts his face. But then it was at this point I thought, do you think any all the other actors, particularly Mary, Marion, felt, why am I bothering doing an accent if he's not? Do you think that ever came up? Because there are other, like Gisborne, even tries. Yeah. Slater has a little go. I'd
3: be fascinated to read a kind of a Fitzcarraldo, a a, a kind of Heart of Darkness kind of exposé about the making of this film, because mm. I can imagine it was fraught. And I'd love to know. We talked about the suggestion that Costner had Rickman edited down in this film. Mm. It is, I think, a documented fact that he locked his former chum his once-and-future chum, yeah. Reynolds, out of the editing suite and basically finished the movie on his own. And much as, say, Tom Cruise has supposedly completely hijacked the, the, the recent Mummy reboot for Universal, I can imagine that Costner came into this, said, I'm doing it like this, and this is what I'm doing, and these are the rules that apply to me, and the rest of the movie you do how you want, but this is what mm. I'm doing with, with my bits. That's certainly the way that it, it feels watching it. So, yeah, quite possibly everybody else did think, well...
2: You would, wouldn't you? Mm. But Duncan also is quite annoying at this point because it, I've written down here, every few minutes he's basically like, when they go to Sherwood Forest, for instance, leave me, I'll slow you down mm. and all that. Just shut up. Yeah. You know, you, I'm sorry you're blind. Yes. It's not my fault.
3: Not even when they took my eyes.
2: Yeah, all right. But they didn't even wash his face. Did you notice that? Yeah. He had I'm- blood coming out of his eyes and then they put a blindfold on him and he's still got blood all over his face.
3: Yeah, the, the, the eye gouging... I would think had happened some weeks before, but Mm. there there was still very much blood there. I don't know how to what extent it takes for eye sockets to heal up.
2: you give him a little, you know, wash of the face. Yeah.
3: But I think this all speaks to a movie that's not got us on side at this point. Yeah. That hasn't swept us along. (laughs) No. It does feel like we are watching a a group of big names who have condescended to walk through some parts in some leafy glades which are standing in for Sherwood Forest and and then we'll... collect the fat check and go home, and will be accepted to, on the basis of a couple of sexy-looking arrow shots to call it an exciting adventure romp.
2: They were the, they're the things that sold this film at the time, yeah, weren't they? You the talk about shots. the slow-motion yeah. thing, but there was also the shots of the camera shooting the into POV a tree. POV
3: of the... Uh, yeah. yeah,
2: which now you, you see it's just a computer-generated arrow with a camera being mm. foisted into a tree. But at the time, it looked real. Oh, no, I it swear was, it did.
3: It was quite exciting. It was almost Matrix-esque in its mm. groundbreakingness.
2: But when we first meet Christian Slater, which you mentioned earlier, this is is when um, Robin... I know I've jumped back slightly, but I've just remembered that he sings that there was a rich man from Nottingham. Yeah. So are we suggesting here that he already knows who Robin is from sight?
3: I'm not suggesting anything. Because I think
2: later on when he says his name Robin Robin of Loxley, Slater gives him that look like, oh, I don't like you.
3: I guess you might make the supposition were you... And again, listeners, I don't want to get bogged down in this, but mm. it's not beyond the realms of possibility that if he sees a, a toff or a, somebody rich wandering through the forest, he assumes he's come from the major conurbation close by. I suppose but, so. Yeah, I mean, the song, to be fair, there's a lot of issues with that song. It is, it is. And there's a lot of issues with the notion of their big trap for people coming through Nottingham, uh, through, through Sherwood Forest, sorry, being entirely dependent upon them standing in the one stretch of a massive piece of water <laughs> yeah. that they could be tripped on. You I mean, say that,
2: but it worked. See, Indeed. we've only seen. as is this a science? We've seen one experiment, and it worked straight away. Yeah.
3: So, from the sample, it's one hundred percent. Exactly. Exactly. All right.
2: Well, what bothered me is Little John is from in Somerset.
3: Well, yeah, but
2: by the by this film, that's a twenty minute walk, is it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's completely believable that he'd end up in Nottingham.
3: I have bigger issues with this film than yeah. Little John's. Yeah, accent. We're getting bogged down, aren't we? Remember, we haven't come to the the worst thing about this film yet. As I say, one of the worst things I've ever seen on film.
2: Oh, I'm looking forward to getting there. Yeah. If, if indeed, we ever do. Uh, so there's a bit where, the, after they all meet, they all sit round the fire, yes. all the merry men. I know I'm jumping back slightly. But there's a bit where they're all having a bit of a laugh and drinking this stuff that little John's
3: made. Mead, is it? Is it mead? I believe it might be mead.
2: Yeah, and they're having some banter and Duncan's loving it. Yeah. Duncan's... Really enjoying it. And little John basically says, We keep ourselves to ourselves in this woods and we don't bother anybody. Mm. So, again, what I mentioned earlier, Robin Hood wakes up in the morning and thinks, I'm just going to go and start loads of fights. That. Yeah. yeah.
3: Let's stir up a major armed confrontation with the army that's camped.
2: And then he's surprised when he comes back and they're all like, Well, we don't know how to fight. Yeah. we don't, they, they didn't want this. But that's
3: Robin Hood. Isn't I mean, it? tell the bird not to fly, tell the fish not to swim, John. <laughs> he's Robin Hood. He's there to redress some balances. Yeah, and he certainly does that.
2: Well, he cuts Sherwood's face. Yeah, he does that. And that's when he says the line, "I'm going to cut your heart with a spoon." Yeah, which is a you know a, why
3: a, a spoon, cousin? Why not an axe? Because it's blunt, you idiot. It'll it hurt doesn't. more. There you go. Yeah, which is a great line. It's brilliant. It is a great line. C- probably why care isn't this movie? Works. I mean, this, why isn't it funnier? If they could write lines like that, why isn't it funnier? Because your problem is, as we were
2: talking about before, the lead is completely it no do charisma, comedy. can't do comedy. Yeah you had someone like for instance harrison ford and his pump this would be a different film altogether certainly would or errol flynn for example yeah but one of my favorite things is near this we get a scene where nottingham goes to see the witch again and she's trying to feed some beef to a sleeping bat (laughs) i really enjoyed that moment right (laughs) she's literally in a cage and this bat's upside down and she's like poking this beef in there
3: oh is that what's happening yeah I think I might have been I'm texting. imagining
2: the director's like, right, OK, so can yeah. you just go and feed some beef to the back? I don't bat? think the director
3: was even there no, at I this point. Think you... I think that they basically just got on with that themselves. He was in a cupboard.
2: Kevin, let me out. <laughs> um, he got him back with The Postman, though, didn't he? Which is a dreadful film.
3: Did they do that together? They did yeah. Waterworld together, didn't they? they?
2: Did Waterworld, then they did The Postman.
3: They also did The Postman.
2: Waterworld, too. they just got... It was a bit controversial because the budget, wasn't it? But it still yeah. made money.
3: Did it? I think it did, mm. but The
2: Postman was a complete flop.
3: It didn't deliver. Right. and he
2: got the sag <laughs> <laughs> nicely <laughs> nice uh, done
3: yeah.
2: that's good yes yeah, so, <laughs> anyway so Robin sneaks into church as I said earlier and he cuts his face and uh, Robin's speech that he gives when he gets back from that everyone's annoyed with him yeah. they're like why'd you do that and he gives a speech and it's very sort of David Koresh
3: OK. It's yeah. very
2: like, I am Robin Hood, right? Yeah. I'm in charge. Trink up. Yeah, I'm in charge. You're all going to do what I say. You're all on my side.
3: Yeah, I mean, he basically suggests that a day as lions is better than a lifetime as sheep. That's it. And, uh, and, and stirs them to the extent that they... they, they Go yeah, along with it. Yeah, absolutely. They bring their families in. Mm. And, uh, of course, then, eventually, thanks to Duncan and his ability to ride blind into the forest and bring all the soldiers behind him, they get then attacked in their wooded stronghold.
2: Yeah, they make little little camouflage tents. Yeah, they
3: they, do. I mean, they do. To be fair, there's some exciting bits in there where they... You know, were I not by this point so wholeheartedly on Alan Rickman's side, I would have enjoyed more that kind of guerrilla warfare that they... I've
2: literally written, I'm on the sheriff's side here. Yeah. Because why, why shouldn't they pay their tax? Yeah, absolutely. They're not. They're, they're not Gary Barlow.
3: Then, exactly. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I was going to go Google, but that's much better. Yeah, Gary Barlow. Could have gone with a few. Actually.
2: Oh well, then we get the people in the village reacting to these renegades, and yeah. one of them says the immortal line:
3: "God bless Robin Hood." Does he say "God bless Robin of Hood"? He might. Oh, he did. might have already become Robin Hood by that. I think point.
2: he's already Robin Hood because it's the Americanism of Robin Hood. They yeah. don't make the break. We say Robin Hood. But they say Robin Hood.
3: Is that right? That's the way they
2: pronounce it. If you watch the Disney one, where he's a, a talking fox.
3: Yeah, I'm not a fan of that film either.
2: No, it's not great. It's one that Disney weren't didn't have much money, and the animation was terrible. But yeah, they say they say as Robin Hood. They don't say Robin
3: Hood. Oh, that's just something I've noticed. No, I mean, that, I must admit that had escaped me. So yeah, he says God bless Robin Hood, and that's more or less the level of broad brush strokery we're on in script terms yeah. robin is a good mm-hmm. uh, sheriff is a villain yeah. marion is a maid mm-hmm. and the peasants are god bless you sweet master thanks for liberating us by you know pretty much endangering my livelihood but then eventually yeah. establishing a presumably more sound feudal system under the return to king richard i don't know what prospects were there for the serfs after all this insurrection Were I King Richard returning Hmm. at this point, I take a dim view of all these peasants who've been revolting.
2: Well, there's a good point to be made there. There's something missing from this film. It's always in any other Robin Hood interpretation. Prince John.
3: Prince John. Prince John. Because how
2: is Sheriff of Nottingham supposed... I mean, this is an Americanism of it, isn't it? The, The simple view of, oh, he can just marry a princess and he'll be king.
3: Yeah. Like, well, no, not no. even a princess. She's a, a cousin oh, of... Yeah, she's cousin
2: of. Yeah. That just makes him, like, you know, the Duke of whatever. But, yeah, Prince John's missing in this film, I feel.
3: I mean, historically, yes. Mm-hmm. But I don't mind. If they want to make the bad guy Anna Ritman, that's fine.
2: Yeah, but he'd have made a good Prince John as he well. He could have
3: been Prince John. Yeah. But the Sheriff of Nottingham and Robin Hood, he's the classic antagonist, isn't he? Yeah. So if they streamlined the kind of dark side of things in this film, wasn't too worried about that was worried about Kevin Costner in all shapes and forms pretty concerned about the rape scene not so much that it's in the story, but the way that it's treated, although I have to hold my hands up and say that I don't remember at the time coming out of the cinema going, hang on a sec mm. because it is treated as another manifestation of, of Rickman's amorality, which is in itself an ongoing joke throughout the film. So it's just another punchline in his old kind of lack of ethics. Yeah. But yeah, in I retrospect... I do remember
2: everyone talking at the time about the death scene. That was a big Which
3: death
0: scene?
2: Rickman's. Oh yeah. I remember there was a joke at the time everyone would always say they went on for half an hour. Which I watched the other day and it didn't seem as bad anymore. Well,
3: hang on. So he's there fighting. How does he die? He
2: gets stabbed when he holds up the sword to get Robin. Robin stabs him with a knife. With
3: with the knife that he has given to Maid Marian. And he gives a look over his shoulder as if to express his feeling of betrayal that the knife that he had given to her as a personal gift at their betrothal. Or I think, you know, anyway, a gift that she should have just handed on to his love rival who then literally stabbed him in the heart with it. Uh, He is obviously a wildly sympathetic rendering of uh, the Sheriff of Nottingham as much as when he says that he doesn't want to rape his betrothed until they're actually legally married because, in his words, I want something pure, Mm, which is touching, I think. It is touching,
2: were it not for what followed. Yeah, where were we?
3: We're in the middle of a really dark cinematic experience.
2: Robin's running around town with all his gang, stealing from the stealing all his stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. And he's just found out that loads of gold coins and fruit and vegetables have
3: been stolen, <laughs> and
2: yeah. then he gets so angry because he notices his statue has got the cut on his face drawn on it.
3: Oh, who did some, that?
2: Some vandal. Oh, right. James. We never
3: see that happening, do we? No, no, no. Right, okay. he, no,
2: he walks past it, notices it, and licks his finger and starts trying to rub it off and it won't come off. Oh. Which, you know, as you do. And then he says the line where he points to the two ladies and he says, um, you, my room, 10.30, yeah. tonight. You, mm-hmm. 10.45, bring a friend. Bring a friend, yeah. Yeah, Which
3: he's the... funny, isn't he? He's contemporary and funny and he's he's... Yeah, as we say, he's winking at the audience. Mm.
2: As long as that's all he's doing. And then the sheriff doesn't mess about because Guy of Gisborne comes in and says, look, we're bringing all this gold to pay for the... Celts? Was it the Celts? Mm, no,
3: this was for the robber barons. Oh,
2: the robber barons, yeah. Um, Not the rubber barons. No,
3: they would have been cheaper. Yes. Uh, I think that's what he had to go for after yeah. they had all the money taken. Absolutely. Because Robin... He was um, on the rebound. People have done the... Ma- the yeah, they, They've done the math. Yes. And there's which a line in this said- where they say he's, he's taken so far about three or four million, uh, which given that the GDP of England at the time was about £50,000, <laughs> is a prodigious feat. <laughs> And explains exactly how he was able to finance his IKEA tree houses and stuff. Yeah. IKEA, as we say in this country.
2: I liked IKEA. Right. I have not heard that before. I enjoyed it.
3: So, uh, what are we, are we on my checklist of complaints? How far have we got, John? Well,
2: he, he's about to murder Guy of Gisborne. Oh, well, he
3: does, doesn't he? Because
2: he says, This is a nice sword, and then he stabs him with it.
3: Yeah, and, I, and then he, he wanders off with an insouciant Spanish steel or something. He yeah.
2: basically wanders off going, This is a nice sword, thanks yeah. very much. And then there's, there's my dead cousin. Because Guy of Gisborne has let him down because he was leading the gold that was being taken away, and yeah. he chased uh, the Arful Dodger. You know, that was the child. Mm. You know, yes, yes. You know. He chases two of them. Oh, it yeah. takes about five or six men to chase them, which, you know... Well, no, didn't.
3: that's actually... Uh, he's chasing bull, played by Daniel Peacock mm. of the 80s. Who was hmm?
2: I was going to say, allegedly, his name is bull because he's got a large penis. Well, he that. suggests
3: that his pizzle is of, of, of kind of bovine dimensions, <laughs> <Yes. Taurian>. Um <laughs> Yeah, we never actually get to see that. No. So uh, but anyway he runs it in the woods and it's all an elaborate ruse and they've done a lot of construction work on their traps. They've gone stallone basically. Mm. They've gone to the forest and built it into an elaborate series of traps and it's worked. Is this America again reacting to the shock of the Vietnam? Vietnam War? Playing out in Sherwood Forest. Yeah. And so Costner is Ho Chi Minh, is this what we're yeah. saying? Yeah, I'm willing to go with that, John. Mm. I'm willing to go with that. Yeah. So let me help you with this. He steals the money. Yep. Yeah. That forces thing he's Sherwood's Shirtwood's hand. He brings in the Celts.
2: He brings in, again, from the director's cut, he brings in um, Pat Roach. Oh, was that Pat the Roach? Ex- the wrestler, wrestler yes.
3: Yeah, now, interestingly, we talked about why isn't this movie funnier. Did mm. you spot that back... Yeah, you did. Where he's literally like, it looks like he's crying He's or crying something. in the background. Yeah. Extraordinary. Kevin Rowland, midway through the film goes, do you know what? I'm Kevin Reynolds. Him- Kevin Rollins from Dexie's Midnight Runners, isn't right? Leave this in by all means, <laughs> please. Kevin Reynolds yeah. suddenly decides to side gag midway through, as yeah. if he's making men of Tide, men in tights. Yeah, just bizarre.
2: I had to wind it back, and I said to my wife, "Is he crying?"
3: Yeah. So basically, if you haven't seen this film, and I'm busy thanking goodness for that at the <laughs> moment. Or if you have and don't know what we're talking about, the Celtic leader comes in and to show why he's so tough and why he can do what the barons' men can't do, he wanders over to the fire, happily picks up a burning faggot and slams it into the palm of his hand Mm. without so much of a reaction. And the barons, uh, as indeed you would be, are very impressed. Mm. The next shot then has uh, Sherwood making some kind of Alan Rickman-esque ironic comment mm. but in the background slightly out of focus you can see the, the Celtic fellow sobbing uncontrollably yeah, in pain
2: which I did enjoy
3: yeah but it just felt it was weird it was like it was almost like they put up a caption saying this is a joke mm. because I didn't find it funny but I could see that was clearly the intent
2: and it was Kyle kind of the film so and it was Kevin kind of Costner didn't enjoy it either I guess not but then we get Marion going to see The Merry Men, for herself.
3: You're taking me through this entire film, aren't you?
2: Well, I'm going to do it quickly, don't worry. All right. right, I'm going to skip a bit, don't worry. Okay,
3: she goes there... We have
2: to mention she sees Robin's tush.
3: Well, it isn't his tush, though, is it? No, it's a stunt tush. Yeah.
2: But it's a lovely tush.
3: Yeah, I mean, I've seen better.
2: You have to admire the male form, James. Don't be afraid of it.
3: I'm not afraid of it at (laughs) all. Uh, He's (laughs) off bathing in uh, in the pool, and he climbs out, and there's a bit of buttock. And she's, as indeed you would be, were you made, Marion, and mm. you know never having had any experience in that area, in those times, you know, were you just suddenly presented with a male ass? Mm. I'm sure it would cause you to, particularly stop.
2: one with. Uh... The, the, the difference in suntan. He's got oh, a very was, white
3: ass. Does he? Yeah. Uh, that I hadn't spotted.
2: Because then we have this awkward romance with Robin and, and then I'm reminded of that bloody song which I'd forgotten about. How could you have forgotten about that song? I just forgot about how it went and everything and then there's a bit where they're coming down from the treehouse and it starts yeah. playing and I wanted to cry because it took over our lives for it a whole did. year,
3: didn't it? Yeah, well, and it's funny because at the end of this film, do you know what I did? No. I went and watched the video for you didn't. everything I do. By Brian Adams Is it called Everything I Do? Everything I Do Brackets I do it for you Oh okay yeah. Hmm. And it's interesting Because the video Is in many ways A potted version Of the film It is Uh, Were you to Be of a mind You could just go away And watch that video Arguably with the sound down Or not Because it's actually It's You know As early 90s videos go It's up there With the Armageddon one Don't want to miss a thing In terms of You know The way that the beats And the cinematic beats Are married It's actually I think Quite a fine example Of the genre
2: and we didn't know that it was a dying thing at the time because you got it a few times in the 90s like you say you can probably pick three or four like Batman movies had them but after that it never happened anymore it's like FA Cup songs
3: I guess it is I suppose it is anyway so I watched that and I found that deeply satisfying (laughs) watching the music music video and I'm not sure whether I might do that again Straight after we finish.
2: You <laughs> said that in a very, like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm very depressed. Um, but then Duncan says the line, he fancies you, Well, m'lady. I'm not having
3: fun here, John. You are having fun. I am having he, he's fun. He's
2: broadly smiling, listeners. Yeah. Um, I will let him out
3: eventually. What happens
2: next? Well, I, was just saying, I wrote down this down because it made me laugh. Duncan says, he fancies you,
3: milady. Yeah. I may be blind, but there's some things I can see. Yeah. I said Carsten was the biggest problem of the film, but it's Duncan. It's Duncan. It is Duncan. It's a dead weight. Thankfully, he dies soon. Yeah, he does
2: Spoiler die. alert. But anyway, to cut a long story short, Duncan, he sends Duncan off with Marion because he think, he's basically saying, Duncan, you're useless. You're, like, you're a pain in my ass. Go mm-hmm. away. And then um, the Celts come. Oh, yeah. And they burn the whole village down. And they Robin, are
3: rubbish Celts, though. They're
2: awful Celts. They're a the whole gang of brave hearts.
3: Yeah, but they, they don't do a very good job. No. They get routed, as I understood the dynamic of that battle, pretty much instantly. Yeah. And it's then the sheriff's men with their... Um, catapults. N- yeah, there's a trebuchets. St- Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. With their trebuchets, mm-hmm. not the Franco-Argentine uh, centre forward but the old medieval siege device
2: but it much the same effect much the same effect yeah devastating
3: yeah. devastating yeah so they then do that and there's stuff and then people get captured oh we
2: get the warning arrow as well which I enjoyed just before the, the Kelstiner Robin's oh, yeah. standing there and this arrow fires down to the floor <laughs> with no sound and then some bloke goes the warning arrow and it's like well, why no. do you need the arrow if you're no. just going to shout okay I'm so glad that
3: wasn't just me <laughs> it bothered me I just thought and then afterwards to warn three other people he fires <laughs> arrows right next to them almost hitting them and I'm not a big fan of health health and safety but hmm, at that point crazy. you're thinking yeah, there's another you know, like light a bonfire, yeah. a series of bells, whatever Blow a it is. horn.
2: There you go. Yeah. Um, the horn's part of Robin Hood folklore,
3: isn't I it? I would think. So anyway, the they, of, they anyway. use arrows yeah,
2: now. So anyway, Robin's yeah. feared dead. They capture Robin's fancy necklace that he, he took off his dad's corpse.
3: Day three in the Smirsh Cup. <laughs> yeah, go on. <laughs> they get
2: the necklace. We're almost there, don't worry. No. Only half a page to go. They get the necklace, they take it to Nottingham. Nottingham's house, oh, at this point has kidnapped, Maid Marion and killed... Oh, Duncan died in the kelp thing. And so he said, I'm going to marry May Marian, or yeah. I'm going to kill all these children which I stole from the village. Yeah. And Marian's all right. I right, said, all right, I'll marry you. But in the meantime, Robin is back. He emerges from the fog and he, and he gives another rousing speech mm-hmm. about we can do this. We're going to go and get Marion and we're going to stop all our friends being hung. Mm. One of them being the child, Wolf. Yeah. Which isn't very nice. Oh, and we also get Azim the day before, I should mention, delivering a child via Caesarean section, I'd yeah. imagine, cutting yeah. through seven layers of skin.
3: Yeah, that's never actually specified.
2: How does he deliver it then? Because he talks about it. No, in... I think that's implied. So she's up and running by this point, and she <clears> says, I'm going to come with you to free my child, even though yesterday I, I gave just birth just had to a, a child.
3: C-section. Yeah,
2: and we know what then is involved there. It's, women can't really run around for a while. So they all. Th- th- I hope
3: he did do a section because the only other way of because the child hasn't has breached yeah? yeah. So the only other option would be equally incapacitating for her. Mm. Thinking if there is another option. I'm not a medical man. Let's move no. on to the uh, the assault then on Carcassonne Chateau. Well, I was
2: just going to say oh. one thing we we need to mention. Oh, Christian Slater <laughs> was taken from the yeah. the, the battle and there offers to turncoat on Robin. Is it a verb?
3: I believe so. Okay. To turn, turncoat. I think you could. I think turncoat is a, it's a noun or possibly an an adjective. But anyway, he betray. He agrees. He offers to. To to betray Robin, but he's actually betraying the sheriff. Yeah, because it, uh, we get a little
2: heart to heart where he says to Robin, "I am your brother. Yeah. Dad always liked you more." Yeah,
3: than you. it's they they they, hug it, they do some acting at this point yeah. actually. Specifically, Will Scarlet does a little bit of a look down, look up, look down. I'm overcome by emotion, which is eh, mildly stirring.
2: Yeah, and he says that Dad always liked you more than me. I'm, yeah. I'm your half brother, mm. and then Costner's like, "Oh, I, I've got a brother. I love you. I love you, etc." Mm. And then, as you say, they go to the cast and Costner rubs himself in shit, which was cut out of the original film I read.
3: Supposedly that was filmed for an earlier part. You know the bit where he first meets up with Maid Marian in the church and she she says, says go and take a bath? Yeah. Apparently that's why, rather than just suggesting that he... Whereas I quite liked it, Mm. that line coming without any explanation, her saying, go and take a bath, because it was almost like a nod to the fact that, yay, this fellow has travelled from the hell of Jerusalem and basically he doesn't have a, a roof to his name. Yeah, And he probably does smell of... Stuff. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah. So they attack, and there is this big battle scene. It's a big set piece. Mm-hmm. Is it well handled? I think reasonably so. Apart from
2: the, the f bomb.
3: Yeah, which again was cut. Uh, yeah, Christian Slater drops the f word. He does. I
2: think they. Uh, I, was, I can't
3: believe they made that. Which, to be fair, the audience was saying as well. Like, mm. really. Mm. So they get catapulted over a wall and blah, blah, blah. But before that, there's some fun with explosions and there's a little bit of mild jeopardy where some of the explosives that they've stationed around the place, Christian Slater, who is by then, they know, is onside, gets strapped to it, whereas, yeah, you know, they were going to use that to blow things up. Yeah. And then everyone's getting hung. And But, OK, compare that, if you will, to what was the third of the Pirates of the Caribbean? It was World's End, I think.
2: Yeah, World's at End. World's End.
3: Yeah. So at World's End either at the start or early on there's a big hanging sequence yes uh, also involving children being hung Mm -hmm. and there is a feeling of dread and trepidation about that whole stretch of that film of darkness it is a it is actually a, a fairly chilling bit for as much as it's in the pirates of the caribbean it is actually fairly somber whereas this i don't know the whole thing yeah the whole thing just feels hokey yeah,
2: it really does. But the sheriff's got Marion, you know, in this uh, awkward situation, you know, in much the same way that Rupert Murdoch's got Jerry Hall. they you know, is you're going to have to marry me.
3: right. Interesting. Yeah. I wasn't aware of that side to the, their dynamic.
2: It's definitely there.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I um, mean, You could maybe make that case for Mr. and Mrs. Trump. I probably should have said that, shouldn't I? Well, anyway. <sighs> so tomato that, tomato. So then Kevin does his John McClane yep. leap out of a window into another, and you just reminded how much better that was in Die Hard. Yeah. And then they have a bit of a fight, and there's the dagger, and blah, 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 yeah, blah, we, blah, at the we end. All about that, and yeah. then we all go home. Yeah. But no, yeah. we don't. Mm. No, we don't, John, because. Yeah. Having rescued Maid Marianne, who I guess is still Maid Marianne at this point. Yeah. Because I think that, you know... Her virtue is intact. I think so. They get to the forest and Mike McShane, may his career rest in peace, is (laughs) um, busy performing the marriage ceremony when oh, my word, it's only about the biggest star possible, turns up yeah. as King Richard. Yeah. Did you, When you first saw this, can you remember, did you know that Sean Connery was going to pitch up at that point? No. He was uncredited. So that was yeah. a pretty big cameo, wasn't it? Huge. Yeah. And that felt like about the biggest Hollywood ace that they could play, didn't it? Oh, yeah. So, effectively, at that point, you're thinking, well... Even in 91, if you had been thinking, well, I'm not convinced by this film entirely, Kevin Reynolds has just pretty much snookered you and just gone, look, bang, there you go. And what a great way to finish the film. He brought in an absolutely massive Hollywood name full of presence, full of charisma, star power, and that's going to finish... No, hang on, I'm going to add an extra little line on the end. Sean Connery just pitched up, but he's not going to deliver the last line. I'm going to get Mike McShane to do it. Oh, God, yeah. And not only that, but I'm going to get Mike McShane to break the flipping false wall to do it. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying you can never break the false wall. Deadpool, mm. he mm. practically lives in the auditorium with us. Yeah, yeah. And it's a great film partly because of that. Shakespeare was always a puck would address the audience. It happens a lot. Hmm. But Shakespeare generally had some reason for saying it, some message that he wanted to give. What is it that Kevin Reynolds thinks is so important that he gets Mike McShane, Friar Tuck, to address the viewers directly? He says, go on, get out of it. We waste good celebration here. He basically says, push off, mate. Hmm. And then, because there's all a bit of banter he he does that laugh at which I, I that is a massive laugh which has been shared by precisely no one ever yeah. watching this film it is possibly the most banter moment hearty but utterly unfunny yeah. that has ever been committed to film and it it horrified me then it horrifies me now yeah you can watch it on youtube if you want i mean make your own minds up but for me there is no greater horror in cinema
2: because much like the Connery thing I'd forgotten about that completely Ah. so when it came on I was just like oh god
3: now was that Costner was Reynolds planned that how did they think they were going to finish that film was that Costner after he'd locked Reynolds out of the editing suite when do you know what This'll be funny. This'll be cheeky.
2: Well, you're supposed to think Tuck's cheeky and funny all the way through the film, but he isn't, is he?
3: Well, he's not really, is he?
2: No, he's horrible. At one point, he's horrendously offensive, isn't
3: yeah, he? Yeah, no, that's true. He is. Yeah, but
2: he does kill Harold Innocent, so he's redeemed.
3: Although, if I was going to re-watch one part of this film again, it would either be that or the burning arrow shot, just because think it, Yeah, yeah. they are the two kind of most extreme bits, you know, in positive or negative terms. And I still can't quite believe I've, I've seen what I've seen there at the end. Yeah. With all of this, though, this film is still better than the Ross Crow one.
2: Oh, definitely. And in Men in Tights, they do the same ending, but oh. Patrick Stewart turns up with doing a Sean Connery impression, <laughs> which is quite funny.
3: It's funny. Yeah. yeah. Is it funny? Because Mel Brooks, much as so I like him as a mm. figure... I don't find his films after, say, Young Frankenstein, to be particularly entertaining.
2: It's much like Spaceballs and Dracula, Dead and Loving It. It has sketches in there, Uh a couple of which are very funny, but the most part, it feels like a very badly put together film.
3: Right. I said Young Frankenstein, but of course, after that, there was Blazing Saddles, which is, as I recall, largely funny. Yes, it? it is. Yeah. So there we have it, Robin Hood, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Prince. Of Thieves
2: This was You know You know. sometimes Hollywood Will mm. sometimes do two films At the same time mm. They did another film this year Called Robin Hood In the same year Patrick Bergen Patrick Bergen yeah. And uh, Uma Thurman has Mary yeah.
3: Marion I've read the same trivia notes As you By all accounts <laughs> I just
2: remember the release Oh do you remember Yeah I remember yeah, okay. them
3: competing. There were apparently A couple of other ones That were Including John McTiernan Had one that he was trying to put together. Oh really? And that one looked pretty interesting, but then he got all excited about a project that he was going to do with Sean Connery, so the the Robin Hood thing never came to to pass. I mean, I, I can't imagine how many different treatments of of the common stories are out even now probably doing mm. the rounds in Hollywood. They're um, doing
2: a new one now, aren't they? With the guy from Kingsman, uh, Taron Egerton. Oh yeah. As him as Robin Hood.
3: Why? I don't know. Why, John? I don't know. How did you feel about Kingsman? I Which, though, this ties in with Bond a bit, doesn't it? It does a
2: bit. Okay. I thought it was all right, but it was problematic.
3: Yeah, OK. Then that's a, a fair summary.
2: And the sequel looks like it's going to have more of the bits I didn't like, like the highly elaborate CG stunts that look like mm. they defy all physics. Yeah, I should also say that for people who don't know, you do an excellent film review show. Well, I don't
3: know if I would call it excellent, but there certainly is a film review show that I host every week. Could you remind everybody what it's called? It's called Truth and Movies, Hmm. which is kind of the the subtitle of the esteemed film magazine, Little White Lies. So, yeah, the podcast is Truth and Movies, and you can find it in all good podcast shops. Hmm. uh, And each week we will traditionally review a couple of films, chat about some other stuff, and... Dust off an old classic or a film that in some way deserves revisiting for our film club. And if I was to get this Prince of Thieves in next week, that would be my homework sorted. Because
2: people often associate you with just the football. With the football. But you're interested in the, the movie. Well, as yeah, well, I think, you?
3: you know, who doesn't like a movie?
2: Oh, Michael Owen, famously.
3: No, he like. Oh, you know, you're right. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't.
2: He never watched a film. No. No interest.
3: That's interesting, isn't
2: it? Yeah, he's killed a rabbit. Uh, has
3: he killed a rabbit?
2: He has, but he ain't no friend of mine. <laughs>
3: When did he kill a rabbit?
2: He, it was one of his famous boring tweets. I think he said he ran over a rabbit and he was really sad
3: about it. My favourite uh, Michael Owen tweet, and there have been some classics, was the picture of his dog pleasuring himself orally. Oh God, yeah. Uh, in, in which Michael philosophically muses about whether Mrs. O will be <laughs> as, as generous that evening.
2: That's, the, that's a very interesting one. Yeah. yeah. He's a nice chap, Michael Owen. Oh, you, of course, you've met him professionally. I met
3: him in the green room at BT Sport. Of course. Yeah, a lot um, of football luminaries in there.
2: I am very upset that you're not doing the European
3: football show anymore. Well, you know, one door closes and... Uh... You know, very much, you sit in the corridor. you in the corridor. No, that's not how it goes. No, it? no, no. no. Uh, but no, but there'll be other opportunities. But
2: also, this is a Bond connection as well, thinking oh, yeah. about it, because in the Alan Partridge episode where he watches all the Bond films, yeah. Michael famously tapes over the Spy Love Me with the World's Strongest Man, which you also do.
3: No. Yeah. But that was, I think it was before I was doing oh, that. Oh, before your show, time, before of course. But
2: there's a link there.
3: Yeah, I, I actually, Sky recently did that Bond channel, didn't they? Right? Yeah. And I took the opportunity to watch all of the Bonds with my son as a kind of bonding experience, oh. and I came to the slightly controversial view in these parts, at least, that they are all rubbish. No way. Yeah, they are all rubbish, and even the ones that feel like they're not rubbish, it's probably just because not enough time has passed. For they all, they all weave a spell that's based very much on the kind of the prevailing argot and worldview and aspirations of the of the, of the demographic they're aimed at, kind mm. of young. Men Man. who want to travel and sleep with women and stuff, and probably shoot people too. Yeah. Um, and as such, they, you, you fall under their spell because they seem terribly exotic and knowing and possessed of a of an, uh, almost unattainable sophistication. Mm. But then, once a couple of years gone by and you've grown that much, then you look back and you go, "Oh my goodness, am I overgeneralizing wildly?" Yes. Mm. Are there Bond films that I actually enjoy still? Yes, there are.
2: Well, that fits... Two, maybe? Well, that fits rather easily. Since you're the master of Segway as you are, you've actually segued into your own series of questions. Oh. So this is the quickfire round. Oh, I call it that, but it isn't. It. <laughs> There's no buzzers. So here we go. Are you ready? Yes. Yes, here we go. Was that one of them? No. Oh, okay. Well, it could be, and yeah. you passed. Well yeah. done. Three. Next one, so next question. <laughs> Who is the best Bond and what is the best Bond film?
3: I guess it depends what you want from your Bond. So this is entirely subjective, mm-hmm. but I would say Sean Connery.
2: Okay. It's um, a
3: very safe choice.
2: Yeah. And the best Bond film, in your opinion, after this recent marathon you've had? I find it
3: impossible to divorce my experience, and I think a lot of people will say this, experience of actually watching that Bond when you saw it in the cinema, mm-hmm. from my appreciation. Much as I said, you know, that when you, when you look back with hindsight, they're all rubbish. They were special when you saw them at the cinema at the time. Yeah, and I think for me the kind of perfect cocktail of grotesqueness and, but also danger and glamour and grit and violence and the exotic and the, I think Diamonds Are Forever it probably hit me at exactly the right age that I yeah. was that that I was prime you know, prime subject matter. But I think Diamonds Are Forever, if not that one. I am the person who liked a Quantum of Solace. Are you? It's me. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm. That is interesting. Yeah.
2: How can I ask why I liked y- yeah. it? Yeah,
3: I liked it because I found. Well, I thought Olga Kurylenko was really nice. Mm-hmm. I also really liked um, and I really enjoyed Gemma Atten in it. It was the first of the Daniel Craig Bond. F- no, so it was the second. second of the Daniel Craig films. Yeah. But unlike the first one. I, th- I thought, where- whereas the first one was Bond a little bit in limbo, he hadn't been really activated by the storyline, he didn't get out there. And do- this one did have, I thought, a really interesting plot line, not about taking over the world with a funky satellite or a giant ship which swallows up other ships. It was basically about taking, cornering the world's supply of water, which is going to be a real issue. I mean, I've seen the big short. Mm. Um so I thought that was a really neat and kind of quite actually practical storyline but it had some great stunts, good fight sequences. I thought Craig was good and and finally used to his maximum potential. I didn't feel that he was in Casino Royale. I thought Kurilenko was devastating as a as a bongo. It was just it was just good. I I liked it.
2: Brilliant. Okay, so the next question is yeah. to
3: flip to that. Oh, uh,
2: what's the who's
3: the worst Bond and what's the worst Bond film? Well, the worst Bond. I mean, that's a tricky one, isn't it? What's your answer on this, John? You've been doing this a while. Where, where, where do you stand on this? I would have to
2: probably say I, I don't dislike him, but out of all of them, Lazenby is probably my least favourite.
3: Right, he leaves very little impression. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. Although it's actually a, not a bad film. I love the that? film. Yeah,
2: and I, I give him a pass because the film's so good.
3: I would say Pierce Brosnan. I would say Pierce Brosnan. I enjoyed his kind of gritted teeth uh, approach. He actually looked like he was putting a bit of effort into it after Roger Moore. Yeah. Uh, so I appreciated that, but his arrival coincided with the run of Bond films, which I actually found quite risible, yeah. yeah, and culminating in, I don't think there can be any doubt, the worst Bond film of all time, Die Another Day. It's just awful. Okay. Nothing against Piers Brosnan. I remember watching him in Remington Steel, Ask Your Parents, and thinking he would make a great Bond. But unfortunately, they didn't make great Bonds around him. So maybe that's why I, I didn't no. like him too much.
2: No, I agree with that. Okay. Who do you have as Bond next?
3: I'm not sure, actually. I, I know Barresi? there been, Huh? Franco Baresi, But there have been times in my life when I've thought, he'd make a great Bond. Hmm. But I haven't really... Tom Hollander. I'd love to see Tom Hollander play Bond. The, the little... The, Little, yeah, uh, if that's the defining characteristic you want to go with yeah. yeah, The sardonic uh, English uh, star of stage and screen He'd be very grumpy
2: but in a very He'd good be way. delightful He would be good actually
3: Let's get this I'd like to see it Tom Hollander as James Bond
2: He'd be, he'd be 003 and a half.
3: That's harsh, John <laughs> That's harsh
2: <laughs> sorry. Bond is full of stupid names like Moneypenny, Smallbone, Goodhead. Those aren't
3: stupid names. Oh, sorry. Interesting Good names. night. Pussy Galore. Yeah. They're great names.
2: Some people don't think they are. What would you have? You make, make up a Bond of... name. Yeah, that was my question. Or like I to Victoria
3: Fellartio or something like that. What was it? I don't know. Like, what would you have? Uh, I liked I You'd con- sit... No, okay, yeah, I, I think I said Victoria Fallatio. Would that be a bonger? <laughs> That's a
2: very good bonga. Is
3: it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's one of the best, actually. Okay.
2: Um, so, again, uh, give me your best Bond film title that you've just made up. Because they're always around puns or sayings, aren't they? Are they? Yeah. Are they? Uh, live and Let Live, Live and Let Die. Oh, I see, but it's
3: Live and Let Die. But then yeah. Goldfinger, Moonraker, Golden Moon, uh, <laughs> Living the Golden Die.
2: Oh, I like Living the Golden Die.
3: The spy who died. I'm not doing very well here. Uh, yeah, anyway. It's forming
2: I'm enjoying it. Yeah. It's, it's jazz.
3: Exactly. Hmm.
2: A hypothetical fist fight takes place between Simon Templar, the saint, and James Bond 007. Who wins?
3: Well, cinema. Cinema wins. Cinema wins. Yeah, but it does depend. Who's playing the saint? Is it Ian Ogilvie? It could be anyone. It could be Val Kilmer. Oh, because he did it after, didn't yeah. he? Right. That, that, that's any a saint. Curple. And yeah. any Bond. Yeah. Listen, this is, I'm going to say Bond, that's right, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you can't have Bond not winning. No. Don't Bond know. never loses. No.
2: Whereas the saint wears disguises, which makes him a coward.
3: <laughs> um, <clears throat> finally. Bond wore a disguises sometimes. Did he? He went Japanese. You probably didn't notice. You oh, probably just yeah. thought, who's the Japanese fellow who wandered did, into the shop? I was looking
2: for his credit, and it just wasn't there. Yeah. Finally, you're stranded on an island Okay. with Connery, Lazenby, Moore, Dalton, Brosnan, and Craig... Who All do you the elect? Bonds. All the bonds. Yeah. I should have just said that. And I? Tom Hollander. And Tom Hollander. <laughs> we'll have him. This will be like Des Island Discs. We're going, yeah. we're going to give you your Tom Hollander. Okay. Uh, who do you elect as leader to devise a rescue attempt? And if it fails, who do you eat first? I just say that you're not going to get much meat out of Tom Hollander, are you?
3: No, that, he wasn't in my thoughts system. Also, I'm a big fan. I don't want to eat him. Uh, in terms of who would get us out of there, George Lazenby was. was he was out the fastest, so maybe yeah. he'd be the guy to. Okay. To do that. Sorry, it's not a very good answer. No, it's is a it? great
2: answer. So, who, who are you going to eat?
3: Um, Piers Brosnan.
2: Piers Brosnan. Piers Brosnan. He Brilliant. looks like
3: soft, quite soft. I am thinking. I wouldn't eat Daniel Craig because I think no. he's grisly. Grisly. I do think
2: that they should introduce that question in Desert Island Discs, though.
3: What? Well, who would, who, who, would, you who eat?
2: would you bring to the island to eat right. if we couldn't find any food? It would make an interesting question. Yeah, you, you find dark a lot again. of people.
3: John. Hmm? You've gone quite dark <laughs> yeah, but again. Yeah, you find
2: out about people when you know how they will turn to cannibalism if things go bad. You know? Yeah, OK. Anyway. There James... is such
3: a thing as too much knowledge. Yeah, there is. Yeah, there although is. not necessarily It drives people crazy, crazy, you know. What? Cannibalism? cannibalism. Not,
2: no, no knowledge. Cannibalism probably does as well. Oh, I think so, yeah. How do live with that? I don't mm. know. But James Richardson, thank you no, so John, thank much. thank you
3: so much. It's been a real pleasure. A, revisiting the delights of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Mm. And B... Getting it all off my chest with you. Wonderful.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you. Goodbye.
3: Goodbye, John. Goodbye, listeners. <laughs>